0: A dark presence in a foggy graveyard, apparitions in the women's room, a relative with advice from beyond the grave. I'm Mark Davis with the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, and this is Spooked. In this episode, we'll hear about a tour of a Scottish graveyard that ended with a sigh. But where did that sigh come from? Two sisters recall the woman they ran into, almost literally on their way to the bathroom. But where did she go? A best-selling author recalls a visit from her father years after he died. Welcome back to Spoot. Kate Kovach is an interpreter at the Atlanta History Center, taking visitors back in time, leading tours in character. She's also an actress with several film credits. But as creative as she is, she positively did not believe in ghosts before her trip to Scotland a few years ago. What happened during her visit to a famous graveyard there, though,
1: she can't quite explain. It was literally the perfect night for a ghost tour. The entire city was covered in a veil of fog and mist and it was just cold enough just wet enough just windy enough that it was only my storytelling troupe that was there and then one other woman there were about seven of us and our tour guide looked like ewan mcgregor i was smitten instantly and he was wearing a velvet a velvet jacket with a high collar it was perfection and he started talking about the history of scotland which i am a sucker for history hence why i'm at the atlanta history center he started telling us stories about the Picts and the Celts and the warring and the battling. And as we wound through the city, the mist lay even thicker. It, we passed by the, um, by the Edinburgh Castle at one point, and it almost disappeared entirely into this um, thick, eerie glow because there were lights that were piercing through the mist, but we could no longer see the castle and he would go from one gravestone to the other and tell us this is what inspired Ebenezer Scrooge and this is what inspired Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. And he started telling us about the history. Now, before we ever entered in, he, he told us about cold spots, that if there's a spirit or something that passes through you, the temperature immediately drops in, in the area that you're in. Just stay calm, breathe, move out of it. And I didn't believe in ghosts, so I sort of chuckled to myself and rolled my eyes, continued on with the tour, and we walked into the Covenanters' prison. That's the section of the graveyard. And the temperature dropped slightly, enough for me to notice that it had dropped, but to not pay really any mind to it. And he continued with a history lesson. Now, in 1637, there was a group of Presbyterian Scots who had just received the Book of Common Prayer by Charles I, and they decided that they were all going to meet in Greyfriars Kirkyard to sign a covenant, the Presbyterian Covenant, to say that they were not going to abide by a king or a meddling in their faith. Christ was the head of the church, and therefore they signed their, their, their names to a piece of paper, thus signing their death sentence. They were rounded up by the Lord Prosecutor named George Mackenzie, and George Mackenzie was a very cruel and wicked man. There were around 1,200 of them that were brought to to Edinburgh to face trial, and most of them went to their execution. But 400 of them could not fit into the prisons, so they made a makeshift prison in this area of Greyfriars Kirkyard. And George Mackenzie tortured these souls. They were forced... To strip naked in the snow, he would put contraptions on their legs that as they walked to try to gain freedom from them, they would only bind them even tighter to where one of the the people described their legs being as mush when they were examined. These people were tortured, uh, then eventually died, and George Mackenzie was buried just outside of this place of torture and bloodshed. Thus, introduces the idea of the Mackenzie poltergeist. Remember, I don't believe in ghosts. So he's talking about all of these people who visit this section of the prison, and then they go home, and they find um, scratch marks, and they find bruises, and they feel as if they're walking through cobwebs, and there's all these things that are supposed to happen to them. We walk into the Covenanter's prison, and again, I'm paying no mind. I'm just fascinated with the history And they place us inside a mausoleum, which is owned by the Mackenzie family. Now, Mackenzie himself, he's buried outside of the Covenanters' prison, but his family is buried inside, right next to it. And they shove us in this mausoleum, and someone on the outside... Is a part of the tour, jumps out and scares us all with a mask on. And our tour guide says, Sorry about that. You want to be scared on this tour. If you weren't actually scared, then you'd want your money back. So we had to do that. But this is the moment where he asked us all to step outside of the mausoleum. Now, mind you, I've just been inside. I've seen. I've seen everything. He has a flashlight. There's no speakers. There's, there's nothing in there except us and our guide and the man who jumped out behind the mausoleum to scare us. We're all in the front of the mausoleum at this point, And he says, all "Right now's the moment when I'm going to encant a Mackenzie spirit. I'm thinking to myself, This is not a good idea. I don't care if I believe in ghosts or not, this is not a good idea. But he says an incantation, and we all hear... (sighs) Come from inside the mausoleum a single exhalation of breath and I'm still trying to rationalize what has just happened there's, there, there, there had to have been someone outside who, who, who breathed into the mausoleum there's, there's some speaker there's something going on that I can't see and our tour guide says that's the end of our tour thank you for joining us it's been a pleasure and you all can make your way to the front of the graveyard no oh, everyone does except remember that he looks like and McGregor and he's wearing a velvet coat and I'm smitten with his knowledge of history I sort of linger between my group and the tour guide and I glance back and he is crossing himself three times as he's praying and retreating from the mausoleum that's the moment that I knew what had happened is not something I could explain A few days after my experience at Greyfriars, I thought it would be a great idea to take one of my friends there. She had come up to visit me from London, and she wanted to have the similar experience because I was telling her how amazing it was. And we went back. The tour guide wasn't as, as good, didn't know her history as well. And at the moment that she placed us all into the mausoleum, before anyone could jump out and scare us, people started passing out. Three people hit the ground. And she said, everyone remain calm. This this happens sometimes. As they were being dragged out of the mausoleum, I saw the glint of a pentagram around their neck. Now, I, I could only imagine that these people had come to experience this tour for a different reason. But as they were being dragged out, I could hear audibly in my head uh, and around me, get out, get out, get out. I turned to my friends and I said, I can't do this any longer. This is not a place that I need to reside much more than this moment. And I fled. I walked out of the graveyard as fast as I possibly could.
0: Back to this continent. Two sisters, Cheryl Robards and Kelly Alanis, found themselves hustling to reach the nearest restroom. You could say that each was really motivated to get there. But an old lady in a vintage black dress was one step in front of them. Or was she? I'm Cheryl, and
2: this is my baby sister, Kelly. I'm Kelly,
3: Cheryl's
2: baby sister. <laughs> but, um, uh, This would happen about 2010, and what had happened is that my grandmother had been really sick, and they had all called us in and told us that this was going to be the time that, you know, calling family in. And so we all met at my house, and we were racing up to LaGrange Hospital, which is the town about 30 minutes uh, south of Noonan. So we were racing, and we had not taken a minute to go to the bathroom. So that time we pulled up at the LaGrange Hospital, Kelly and I had to really go to the bathroom. <laughs> and uh, so we were racing each other to the bathroom and as we were going down the corridor, we noticed uh, a elderly woman in a black coat and a black hat and flowers. But what, what struck me odd was that it was warm outside and so what she had on was way too hot Mm -hmm. and it was also very outdated um i'm not good with the dates but it was very outdated what she had on um so she enters the elderly woman enters the bathroom and kelly and i follow right follow her in right behind her and yeah and uh (laughs) go ahead and so you beat me to the other stall. Yeah, there
3: was two stalls in the bathroom. So, it was like, one or the other. You had to pick something. <laughs>
2: and you had seen the lady go in and lock the door. Because mm-hmm. you were ahead of me. Yeah. And, uh, because you bullied yourself in front of me. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, but anyway, so you beat me to the stall. And so, I'm play-fussing with you, saying, I can't believe you took the last stall. And, and, uh, I'm doing my little TT dance outside the door and fussing with you. And, um... Uh, and while I'm waiting on the elderly woman to come out of the door, about, about that time, the door kind of swings open, and I'm thinking, oh, man, <laughs> I'm thinking <laughs> I have to help this old woman. <laughs> She's going to be sitting on the pot, and I'm going to, we're going to have an embarrassment moment here, and, um, so nothing happens, and so I finish opening up the door, and there's nobody in the stall and i just kind of stand there and then i go
3: she proceeds to tell me who's in the other stall kelly there's nobody in this bathroom and i was like shut up like so there's you know there's somebody in there i thought she was still playing at that time but she when i heard her voice And how freaked out she was by it? Yeah, no more bathroom for me. Pants up, ran.
2: (laughs) I think I ran
3: past her. Yeah, because he was like,
2: like, "What do you mean there's nobody there? Where does she go to?" And I said, "I don't know." Well, did she come out? And I was like, "Well, no, she would have had to come right beside me, and you know, (laughs) she would have had to bump into me to to get out the door." And I said, "She's not here." And again, you say, "What do you mean she's not there?" And I said, "She's not here." So, out you run. I took off. I <laughs> she out took of that off. bathroom. <laughs> but me, I wasn't brave or anything. I just, I had to go really bad. So, I didn't, it was between me and the ghost. And I'm sorry. Move out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> I had to go. So, I went. And, uh, and then when I got finished, I came out. And you just looked at me and you said... Did that just really happen? Yeah.
3: I think we were both kind of stunned by it, like, yeah. taken by surprise. Cause Very well. we knew somebody went into that bathroom. Mm-hmm. There was no mistaking. We saw her. I saw her. Same thing. <laughs> black long coat, black hat, the flowers. We described her to a T. Of course, nobody believed us. <laughs> no, we even
2: asked the nurse. But, you know, the nurse did, she did kind of, I don't know if she was playing with us or not, but she did kind of confirm that. There have been other ghost Siding. sightings. Mm-hmm.
4: So, what did she look like in her face? I didn't
3: see her from the front. I just saw her from the back walking into the door. So, that's all I saw. I don't know if you she saw had her short
2: face. hair. Uh, she was a dark woman. Um, but she was hunched over, so you really didn't see the face. You just, but really, I mean, she and I were racing to the bathroom. And so, you know, you really don't look at people when. You're caught up in that moment. Yeah.
3: <laughs> but there was no other way
2: she could have gotten no. out. Oh, no. no. There's no way. I mean, we saw her going to the stall and we heard the door lock. Mm-hmm. So, because she and I discussed it afterwards and she was like, I know I heard that door lock. Did you not hear that door lock? And I was like, Yeah, because you know, you can hear somebody the little put latch. the latch. And uh, so we, we scratched our heads a long time for that one. Mm hmm. And, of course, everybody else that we told looked at us like, mm-hmm, y'all been drinking too much. So <laughs> it was just kind of like, no, honest. We did not dip into the pool. So <laughs> but, um, yeah, it, it, that was just a freaky thing that happened.
0: So We had a good time talking to Cheryl and Kelly. They're born storytellers. You can hear that. And their encounter with the lady in the hospital bathroom wasn't the first time they experienced something they couldn't quite explain.
2: I'm 22. At that time, I was 22 when Dad died, and uh, and Kelly was 12. And of course, you know, we found out that Dad had uh, uh, he had turned started turning jaundice and all this stuff. And we took him to the hospital, and they did a exploratory surgery on him, and and all they could do was just sew him back up, and. Um, the cancer had already ate through and um that was in november in in january he was dead and uh he died january 25th 1987 and while i was at the hospital i was going down the hallway and my other sister and my mom came out of his room shaking their heads you know stating that my dad had passed and meanwhile kelly is at home with our other sister ginger who at the time was also, she was 14, and like I said, Kelly was 12. And um, from what I remember you telling me was that uh, something woke you up, and you saw Daddy, and he was telling you that everything was okay.
3: Yeah. Yeah, I was fast asleep, and it's like somebody's literally shaking you awake. So I'm thinking, sister, you know, our cousins were there. I'm thinking somebody's trying to get me awake. And I saw my, it was actually like I was, awake and i saw my father and he was just reassuring me that i was okay and that he was okay but i had this sense that i knew he had passed away so i woke my, my sister that was there at the house when i woke her up to and proceeded to tell her and she of course was like go back to bed you just had a dream go back to bed and then what seemed like minutes later they were coming to the house to inform us that my father had passed away
4: did he speak to you
3: He did just ensure me that we would be okay, you know, that Mama would be okay, that us girls would be okay. And he referred to us as the Golden Girls, and he just said, you know, my Golden Girls will be okay. And that was pretty much it. It was just real brief, real quick. Um, And then, like I said, it just seemed, which it could have been hours, but at that being so young, it seemed like minutes pretty much that they came in to inform us that he had passed away
0: so
4: I, I guess having cancer he probably had looked very emaciated there at the end when you saw him that night did he look healthy?
3: no he came to me as if yeah he was healthy he was fine same father I'd always known not sick at all yeah, Started when, to get, dad died,
2: when dad died we uh he had lost so much weight that mm-hmm. we had to um find him a little boy's uh, shirt just so he'd always been a big man, he stood about what wouldn't you say, about 6'1? Oh, yeah, and dad was always around anywhere between 250 to 300 pounds, but not fat, just stocky. It mm-hmm. was just a very healthy looking man, and um, and by the time we buried him, I think he was like 123 pounds. And he
3: came to me as the healthier him, I didn't see that sick man in front of me. So,
4: mm-hmm. what feeling did you have?
3: Just Real calm, confused, um, trying to fight if I was actually awake or if I was still sleeping, but more of a calm feeling, like I knew his words were true, like we would be okay. And that was pretty much it. Mm
0: -hmm. You're listening to Spooked, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's creepy new podcast. We're making more, too. If you have a story to share, contact me, Mark Davis, at mrdavis at ajc.com. Now, a final tale. It's a fact of life. Your parents are always full of advice. Loretta Hannon wrote about advice and adventures in her rollicking book, The Cracker Queen, a memoir of a jagged, joyful life. She was working on another project during a stay at an artist colony when her dad paid her a visit. The only problem? (laughs) He died years ago. Okay, y'all. First
4: of all, I want you to know something very important. I do not see dead people, except for this one time. Usually, I will just feel them or have dream visitations. But I had certainly never seen a full-body apparition or any kind of apparition until that day. I was staying at an artist colony in the mountains called Hambage. I was inside my very favorite spot there, a beautiful spring house made of local rocks. I listened intently to the drip of the spring water and became more and more relaxed and peaceful as I watched the flowing water and focused on the sound. Was I accidentally hypnotizing myself? I don't know, but I do know this. I looked up across the yard to the building across the way, and on the porch of that building was my father. My father, who died in 1986. (laughs) And he was telepathically sending me the most unexpected message I could ever get from him. The message was, don't be so hard on yourself, Loretta why are you so hard on yourself Ha huh, duh because you raised me that way because when i would bring home a report card with an average in a subject of 99 you would ask well why didn't you make a 100. so we're having this little dialogue when it hits me wait a minute i don't want to be that person who sees dead people this is not cool i don't want this gift so i say to my dad look daddy I really don't want to see you anymore, okay? Dude, we're good. I need for you to scram, skedaddle, vamoose, okay? Get out of here because this is just too much. So i tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to look back down at the water, and then when I look back up, I need for you to be gone, okay? Now, all the while, he is just sending me so much love. You know, the the feeling of the love coming from him is just absolutely amazing the experience is terrifying but wonderful but yeah we need to wrap this thing up because yeah i don't want to be that person again who sees dead people well that was five years ago and do you know that message is still resonating with me i'm still working on not being so hard on myself it was the best thing i could have ever heard from my dad and the most surprising thing So I just really have one thing to say back to my father. Thanks, Daddy. I love you, too.
0: This episode of Spooked was reported and produced by Jennifer Brett and narrated by me, Mark Davis. Thanks for listening. Until next time.